Welcome to What Do You Need to Know About God in Today's World. Today, our podcast is on What Do You Need to Know About God and the Coronavirus. Today, we find ourselves with our whole way of life turned upside down and appear to be at the mercy of this pandemic as to when anything will return to normalcy. We're going to look at the God of the Bible and try and gain some insight into what's going on. God has several attributes, but today I want to primarily focus on two attributes that are intrinsic to his nature. The first attribute is that of love. 1 John 4, 8 says God is love, meaning he is the epitome of love. John three sixteen says that God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for us that we might have a relationship with him. This leads us to the other prominent attribute of God's character, which is God is holy. The Hebrew word for holy is Kadesh, and it means sanctify and set apart for God's purposes. To be holy is to be separate from sin. It is perfect righteousness, and the only one who has ever been perfectly righteous and completely separated from sin is God himself. Now, sin is a word that we don't hear frequently today, and that's unfortunate because the Bible abounds with references to sin. It is sin that separates us from God. It is sin that put Christ on the cross to die for us. It is sin that comprises all wickedness, wrongdoing, evil, and disobedience, all of which are the direct opposite of the nature and essence of a holy God. And it's only as we read the Bible that we gain a better understanding of the clear dichotomy between God's holiness and sin. In the Old Testament, in Exodus 19.12, God warned Moses to make sure that neither a man nor animal would even touch his holy mountain, else they would die. Habakkuk 1.13 says, God's eyes are too pure to even look upon evil, and he cannot tolerate sin. Here we learn that a holy God has zero tolerance for sin and cannot even be in the presence of sin. We learn that when holiness encounters sin, there is an automatic destructive reaction which occurs. Notice in the scripture in Exodus that all the people or animals had to do was touch the mountain and death would automatically occur. It's like man touching fire whose nature is to burn. The man who touches fire will be consumed. Likewise, the sinner or any unclean object who tries to touch a holy God will also be consumed. Holiness and sin are diametrically opposed to one another, mutually exclusive, and cannot intermingle without that sinful personal object being destroyed. The Bible says all men are sinners, so as sinners then we must be careful how we approach a holy God, because our sinfulness will certainly cause our automatic destruction. And there is another automatic reflex at work in God's attribute of holiness, which is judgment. You see, a holy God must judge sin, not according to man's standards, but according to his standards and commandments of what is right and wrong. And once judged, there is always punishment associated with sin and wrongdoing for man, as in our earthly courts. Coming through the Bible, we find that whenever God's people were obedient, God always favored them with his blessings and prospered them. However, when they went astray and disobeyed, there was always an accompanying consequence. God allowed their enemies to capture and destroy them. 
He allowed famine and pestilences to destroy their crops and wreak havoc in their lives. So make no mistake, there is always some type of consequence for wrongdoing because a holy God judges sin. Now, most of us think that God inflicts punishment upon us, but this is somewhat of a misconception. You see, God doesn't have to impose a consequence upon us because the consequence is always embedded in the sin. It occurs automatically. For example, if you gamble, you lose your money, or drinking causes alcoholism. Proverbs 6.27 says this, You cannot take fire into your bosom and not be burned. Likewise, you cannot sin then and escape consequences. All God has to do is remove his hedge of protection from around us and allow the inherent consequence of that sin to ensue and take place. Now, some people hold the view that, well, this or that is just a little sin. But there are no degrees of sin, and all sin offends a holy God. And no one sins and escape punishment, as we see. Even if punishment appears elusive, it is not. It is merely looming on the horizon. So let's apply what we learn about God's attribute to what's happening today. Today we find ourselves in a quandary because we are interfacing with the attributes of a holy God. Yes, God is love, but his attribute of holiness repels sin, a known determinant of destruction. For decades, the whole world has indulged in gross sinfulness, disobedience, and repudiation of God. It has culminated into man ejecting God and everything pertaining to God, including his commandments, the Bible, and prayer out of every sector of our lives. Our schools, universities, government, homes, businesses have long discarded any semblance of these ideals and instead have opted for a falsely contrived narrative of separation of church and state, something which our founders never intended. In addition, today, man engages in all manner of unrestrained sinfulness. There is the usual love of money, greed, selfishness, and dishonesty. And then there is all manner of sexual perversion, pornography, homosexuality, abortion, killing, sex and human trafficking, with much of these evil activities even being perpetrated and coerced on our children at younger and younger ages. All of these are a litany of things that God classifies in the Bible as sin. And rather than preaching the truth about these sins, some churches instead condone them. And even some of our laws condone them, such as the current move to legalize marijuana and the popular law Roe v. Wade, which legalized abortion. Speaking of abortion, the state legislature of our hardest hit state celebrated passing a law permitting infanticide and late-term abortion. And currently, they have the highest number of incidences and death from coronavirus in the country. So yes, we have been bathing ourselves in sin, and while we have been doing so, we have been on a collision course with the Holy God who is now attempting to get our attention to get us back on the right track. Because you cannot violate a Holy God's laws and then expect blessings. Sin does not beget blessings. Instead, as we said, it invites destruction and exacts punishment. This does not mean that God caused the virus, as we said, all God has to do is withdraw his loving hand and hedge of protection from around a rebellious people, person, or nation, and allow the ravages of sin to take its course. Yet, because God is a loving God who does not desire our destruction, 
He has been warning us against sin for ages, but to no avail. But if we are wise and heed God's warnings, then we will begin to reverse our course of action. We will take note that God has pushed the pause button and interrupted our whole lives down to the minutest part of our day, just that we might stop and reflect on the path that we are taking and ask ourselves, should we continue down the road to sin and destruction or reassess our values and behavior and make a course correction toward living a life pleasing to God? If we continue to choose disobedience where we exclude God, then we are destined for destruction. But if we choose obedience where we include God and he informs our decisions and influences our behavior, then we are on the right road and are destined to have more positive outcomes that enhance our well-being. Our world will be a much better place to live and raise our kids, and our individual lives will not be so messed up with the bad decisions we make as we seek our own selfish, sinful pleasures and whims. Now, I'm not saying that we will never have troubles or encounter plagues and extreme difficulties. The Bible makes it clear that we will have these to the end of time. But what I am saying is that when things of this nature occur, we have a God who is always there to minimize the harm that emanates from such disasters and who blesses us when we obey. So now that we have assessed where we are, let's get on the right road and take measured steps to change our course. How do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. First, we must realize that a holy God must be revered revered because of who he is, our maker and creator, the one who is the author of life and whose breath we breathe and who owns everything. But when we return to the dust of the earth, God, our maker, is still eternally ruling the universe. Second, we must recognize that this holy God is sovereign over the whole universe and must be obeyed. Man cannot live according to his own dictates because man pursues what is in his own self-interest even to the destruction of himself and others. But God's laws are transcendent, unchanging, compatible with his holiness, and rooted in what is morally good for us all. And they've been instituted in society from the very beginning to guide man to have order, peace, and a prosperous life on earth. This, then, is how sinful man must approach a holy God. God must be revered and obeyed. And when we operate in obedience, God says in Jeremiah 29, 11, his plans for us is always to prosper us and bring us to a good hope and future, a future that is beyond our wildest dreams. It is a future and hope only possible when we obey God and his laws. It is a future that includes our greatest rewards, not only in this life, but in the life to come. God has plans for us beyond this world. And he achieved our greatest reward for us when he died for our sins and granted us salvation through Christ. You see, this holy loving God is also a just God. He is a God who decided to come down and die and take our punishment for sin himself in the form of Jesus Christ so we wouldn't have to die for our own sins. And when we ask God for forgiveness and repent of our sins, which means to agree with God that we are sinners who need a Savior, and then change our mindset and behavior to agree with his. And when we accept Christ as Savior, then God gives us his Holy Spirit to empower us to live a life compatible with his holiness. 
We're no longer enemies of a holy God punished for our every sin, but instead become children of God and can have an intimate relationship with him. And ultimately, we will spend eternity in heaven with him forever. But on the flip side, I know some of you prefer to linger in disobedience. If that's the case, then realize that you do have to die for your own sins and pay your own sin debt and be judged on your own merit and behavior for righteousness, which you could never attain because God's standard for righteousness is perfection, complete holiness, and being without sin, something only Christ has achieved. And instead of spending eternity in heaven with Yeshua, all who reject Christ will spend eternity tormented in hell, forever separated from a loving God. This is not a scare tactic, but a script straight out of the Bible. Matthew 25, 46 says, The unrighteous will be eternally punished, but the righteous shall go into eternal life. Revelations 21, 8 says, That the unbelieving shall be consigned to the lake of fire. So God is not sending you to hell. You make the choice. That is your fate if you decide to disobey God. And know this, God is not a tyrant. He gives us a choice to obey him. But when we disobey him, we do not get a choice of our consequences. Case in point is this worldwide pandemic. And for all who continue to walk in disobedience, the ultimate consequence and punishment is eternal separation from a loving God. So the choice is yours. Ultimate punishment or ultimate rewards. Yahweh God is rooting for you to choose obedience and his ultimate rewards. Today, we've learned that God is a loving, just, holy God who cares for us and who wants to have a relationship with us. Even in this coronavirus pandemic, he is teaching us lessons about his holiness and sin. From this virus, we learned that it is imperative to constantly wash our hands and disinfect our homes to cleanse and remove germs caused by the virus. We also learned to socially distance ourselves from those who carry and can infect us with the virus. These physical examples are quite symbolic and representative of what we need to be doing in the spiritual. We need to constantly cleanse our lives of sin and wrongdoing and socially distance ourselves from the behavior of those who persist in sin. For through this pandemic, of which there is no cure, God is showing us all the detrimental effects of sin. And currently, while we are attempting to develop a cure for this virus, I want you to know that Jesus is the cure for every evil under the sun. He is victorious over this pandemic, sin, Satan, death, and all of life's challenges. And we'll help you win in all battles of life. And when we do have victory over this virus, it will only be due to the fact that Yahweh God has come through for us as he always does. No one knows when this virus will end. And it's just symptomatic of sin in a fallen world. And similar things are always likely to occur. So it is time for us to acknowledge that we do need God in our lives. And we need to humble ourselves before him, trust and submit our lives to him and live for him. Not tomorrow, but today. Because we have also learned from this virus that tomorrow is not promised to us. Not even the next second is promised to us. Statistics is clear. One out of one of us will die, and none of us know when that day is. 
Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Today, if you are here, God has given you another chance, and he is always reaching out to us, calling our names, saying, Trust, turn, believe, and have faith in me, and be saved. Why not make Yeshua Jesus the Christ, Lord and Savior of your life today? Jesus always implored the crowd this way, saying, He that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. In this world, there are always two camps of people, those who hear the voice of Christ and allow his words to penetrate their heart and act on it, and those who harden their hearts and refuse to hear. Everybody has ears, but which camp are you in? Psalm 95, 7 and 8 says, Today, if you hear his voice, hearten not your heart. Today, if this is you, say this prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again for my sins, and I make you my Lord and Savior of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to live a righteous, holy, anointed life for you. If you sincerely say this prayer and receive Christ, you have become a child of God. Now get connected to a Bible teaching church. Read your Bible daily for strength and food for spiritual growth. Obey Yahweh God and follow the Holy Spirit and he will help you live righteously for him that he may prosper you in all that you do. And God will never leave you nor forsake you and will see you through every storm in life. God bless you and keep you. Yahshua, keep you safe.